The Business Buzz Podcast. The, the Business Buzz. Good evening and welcome to the Business Buzz right here on Vow FM 88.1. The time has just gone by 3 after 6 p.m. and it's a Thursday, which means it's time for the Business Buzz for your weekly dose of business finance and economics news right here on Vow FM 88.1. We are broadcasting live from our studios right here in Bramfontein, Johannesburg. And uh, if you don't already know, my name is Mudiwa Mob Justice Covers and I'm joined in studio by the lovely Hlingiwe Zondo. How are you, Hlingiwe? I am good, thanks, Mudiwa. How are you doing? No, no, I'm all right i'm all right how's your life going you know i think this time of the year you know as october comes to an end and november draws nearer there's this thing called exams that tends to you know come upon us you just had to you go there <laughs> you just had to go there are i think you, are I'm you a, getting ready i'm appreciating the finer things in life that like the jacaranda trees yeah um i'm focusing on the positive things in life that's okay. what i'm trying to do I, right now i think that's a very good attitude <laughs> that you've adopted there thank you <laughs> and you how's your week been no no it's been a good week awesome it's been a very good week uh busy uh i think adulting is not easy like uh, it's 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 kicking us it's kicking us i feel like uh, people need to change the curriculum at school (laughs) hey this thing of math science english history and what no no they need to add tell us about life real life (laughs) (laughs) tell me how tell me how to fill out a tax return yeah (laughs) Tell me how I need to stay in line with my taxes, yeah. Exactly. But otherwise, it's been all right. It's been all right. And uh, today's show, I'm actually looking forward to it because I'm a bit of a geek. Yeah. Uh, personally. So, you know, when we start talking, because we're talking about app development today. Mm-hmm. And I think our big question, we want to know, uh, are apps still a thing? You know, in 2018, because you know there was a time when everyone want, you know, everyone wanted an app, mm. an app, an app, an app. Mm. And I think on my phone, I think I have at least a hundred apps, and I know that I hardly use yeah. like 15 of them. I think them. that's what, where the real <laughs> challenge is. Hey, you get all these different apps, and then when you run out of space, you start deleting again. Exactly. So for today, we are going to be talking about app development. Is it still a thing in 2018? And uh, one of the things we're trying to answer is the cost around app development. Is it still worth it um, to to be gaining those skills? Um, so in terms of costs, uh, is some interesting uh, statistics. In the USA, the average app will set you back a minimum of about 70,000 rand. Uh, but this app will not have any advanced location-based services or any useful web services or API integration. The 70,000 has to do with the US but later in the show you're going to see that in South Africa the bar is a bit lower and you can actually get some world class service. Uh, And then according to nextweb.com if you look at the initial cost of making um, some of the biggest apps that are in existence right now, uh, Twitter is estimated to have been uh, made initially for what would be today 3.5 million Rand, Instagram 4.2 million Rand, uh, Facebook 7 million Rand, Pinterest 1.68 million Rand, and then WhatsApp around the same at 1.68 million Rand. So we're going mm. to be, you know, those are the things that we're going to be talking about. And Tling how can people, you know, join in the discussion and let us know, you know, if they still think that apps are, you know, still a thing or not? Those are mighty big figures before we move on. <laughs> yeah, they are. It's not chump Just change. a young 7 million. You yeah, know what I'm saying? A young one. So, um, our listeners can get a hold of us um, on the following social media platforms. It's on Facebook. We are VIFM, Voice of Vits, and Vits Radio Academy. On Twitter, we are found at VIFM, and our hashtag is Business Buzz. On WhatsApp, we are available on 084-078-4912. They can also stream live. Uh, on www.vifm.co.za and our podcasts are available on www.vits.journalism.co.za slash business and then they can always just follow us on um, live on Vits, uh, on Voice of Vits FM 88.1 So you heard it, we are 88.1 and we're here on power until about 7pm On the other side of this we get into the business buzz Business Rap with Ken Sweatman it's time for us to get into the business wrap. That's a part of the show where we give you the roundup of the week's top trending business and economics news. And on the line, we're joined by our financial expert. We have Ken Swettenham. How are you, Ken? 
I'm very well this evening and yourself. Huh? No, we're doing all right. But I think our economy is uh, is a bit on edge at the moment. Maybe not on edge, uh, but I think if there was a, a confused face emoji, uh, that's what our economy is having right now. Because this week we had, uh, I think, the third finance minister being announced in the space of about 12 months. Um, what's going on? Well, yes, it's, if we add it up from the original firing of, of uh, Nene back in 2015, and then we had Des Van Rooyen for, I think, three or four days, and then we had Tavin Gordon, and we had Nene back again, now we've got Peter Mbaweni, so we're basically five finance ministers in the last three years. And unfortunately, the finance portfolio is one of the high-profile portfolios in the country. Basically, everybody knows who the finance minister is. Not all of us know who the arts and culture minister is. So it's a, <laughs> it's a very high-profile portfolio. And, of course, the finance minister is the face of the South African economy, not only within our country but worldwide as well. And having five different people in this portfolio, after if those of us who are old enough to remember, having Trevor Menu in the portfolio from 1994 for many, many, many years and doing a good job, and that, and that showed stability in the economy and stability in the portfolio. And we haven't got that anymore. And it's not sending a good message to, to the international rating agencies. It's not sending a good message to possible investors in this country. And at a time when our economy is, is really, really in the doldrums, and, and in fact, in the, I read this week, in the worst downturn since the end of the Second World War, that, that's well over 70 years, um, it, it's not sending a good message at all, unfortunately. Yeah. And w- what is the general feeling around uh, in the in the economy around Tito Mpumweni? Uh, he is the former uh, Reserve Bank governor, and uh, to my knowledge, relatively scandal-free. Um, is that switch over to uh, the finance uh, portfolio as opposed to Treasury um, going to be a, a big change for him, or will he just take it in stride? Well, it's an interesting one because late last week when it seemed obvious that the now former Minister Nene looked like he was on his way out, I was thinking, who are the ANC going to appoint? They've traditionally appointed from within their own ranks. And I personally couldn't think of anybody. And and when Tito Mbawemi's name was, was announced, I thought, well, yes, obviously he's probably the only person within the ANC who could have possibly have taken this role. And that's after Mr. Mbawemi himself, uh, as recently as February this year, tweeted that he had no interest in, in any government <laughs> or further government role. Um, obviously, there were some private discussions uh, behind closed doors between our president and Mr. Mbuheni, which changed his mind. But yes, just very briefly, he, he, wasn't, he is an ex-Labour minister of the country. Uh, he, as you mentioned, he's an ex-minister, uh, sorry, governor of the Reserve Bank. He is, again, also to my knowledge, scandal-free. He's probably the best the ANC could have done. Um, and, and our recent uh, turmoil in the markets over the last two or three days has not been because of of the new appointment. And um, there has been talk of possibly the ANC should have looked outside of their own party, even into the private sector. We have many, many wonderful economists in this country, of which possibly one of them could have been offered the job. But um, as I said, the ANC has had a tradition of appointing the finance minister from within their own party, and I can't think of anybody else uh, better than, than, than Mr. Mbaweni. <laughs> now, you've just mentioned the fact that the markets are in a bit of turmoil this week, and you categorically said that it's not because of the finance portfolio. So what's going on in the markets? Well, it's all to do, and this is something we've spoken about on your show before, it's all to do with what's happening in other parts of the world, particularly America. Uh, America are raising interest rates or, or threat of raising interest rates. And um, a few years ago, when interest rates were falling, and in fact, America was offering interest rates of just a quarter of a percent per annum, but the, the big corporate money in America was looking for other areas where they could get better growth. And obviously, emerging markets in South Africa were offering much, much better rates, and money was pouring into our country, and that was good for our markets. America now raising rates, and that's a threat that money will leave our shores and go back to America because it's a more stable economy. And they're thinking, well, if we can get 2 or 3% in a stable economy, it's better than 5 6 or 7% in a not-so-stable economy. And that's what spooked the markets. It also doesn't help when 
Donald Trump, uh, has come up with all sorts of wonderful comments since his inauguration there two and a half years ago. He came up saying that there's craziness in the American Reserve Bank. He's affected, it would be like our president calling the Reserve Bank governor crazy. And comments like that have spooked the markets worldwide. And, and we look at just what's happened today, the Japanese index down 3.5%, the Australian index down 26 um, the U.S. itself down just under a percent. Our market at lunchtime with today was down 2.6%, and it rallied, in inverted commas, to only be down 1.1% at the end of the day. Yesterday, it was also down 2.6%. Financials dropped 2.4% in a day. So we're now at levels close to where we were in around May 2015, and we are down approximately 14% year-to-date on our all-share index. So it's not good for the markets, it's not good for the country, and it's not good for anybody who might be invested in any sort of equity-based investment. So that was us on the line with Ken Swettenham. If you are an investor in the equities uh, in the equities realm, um, you should be a, a, a bit scared at the moment because uh, uh, international pressure has actually caused the JSC uh, to actually come down quite a bit. You heard two two and a half percent down this week and fourteen percent down to date from I think twenty fifteen, like what Ken was saying. The other big news coming out is that uh, we have a new finance minister, quote unquote, uh, because we have. Uh, uh, Tito Mboweni, former Reserve Bank governor, uh, coming in to fulfill the role after uh, Mr. Nene decided that he wanted to do the right thing. And uh, can we say retire? <laughs> uh, but anyway, that's uh, it in terms of the business wrap. On the other side of this, we tell you the state of your 100 grand. Keep it locked. This is the Business Buzz. Business Wrap with Ken Sweatman. You're tuned in to the Business Bus. It's time for us to get into the Buffalo Index. Uh, that's a part of the show. We will tell you the state of your 100 Rand. Uh, we have the lovely Slingiwe Zondo telling us what your 100 Rand actually means to you. I mean, it's the one thing we all have, and she's going to tell us what it means. Slingiwe? I don't know about all of us having that 100 Rand. Do you mind sharing? <laughs> but yes, the state of your 100 Rand today. Um, since we're talking about apps today, we've decided to snoop around and find out um, the cost of the following. Uh, making an app using a developer, mm. the cost of app making software, mm. and the cost of getting some app making uh, tutorials so yeah. you can get coding classes. Um, so we're starting off with um, having a professional make you um, a, a good app. So locally, you can get a professional software development studio to create something for you for as little as <laughs> 20,000 rands. So that's 200 buffaloes. And up to 3 million rands, which is 30,000 buffaloes on the very high end. And if you're looking to uh, develop the app yourself... Um, the cost of a good app making software depends on what business model the software company uses. Um, mobile is considered to be the best app making software um, for mo- mobile apps, and they have a number of packages. If you want to go all in, you um, you can go um, for the thirty dollars per month option, which is four point four buffaloes per month, and uh, that will give you um, a full suite of their features. And then moving on to the the classes that you can actually take to develop your own app. Um, the app entrepreneur courses that are offered by IT Varsity South Africa, they have an intensive one-year accredited app development course um, that's geared um, to make you more than just a good app developer. It's designed to put you on the road to becoming an app entrepreneur as well. I mean, that is what they say. Um, then there's the, the, the course. The, the course is rated NQF level 5 and it costs 20,000 20, rands, which is 200 buffaloes. Um, but they're running a special at the moment for 15,000 rands, which which is 150 buffaloes. Um, And if you feel like you can learn on your own, there's also like online courses that you can take to make sure that you produce the next it app going from either like mix it to facebook whatever it is that you're looking to do yeah. uh, udacity for example is a profitable online um, education organization and their ios engineer nano degree program gives you the foundation to become a silicon valley standard um, engineer uh, you can get the latest ios um, technology with them and to join the, the course you'll need 199 us dollars per month and that's roughly um 29 buffaloes per month it's not cheap eh 
not at all. But not but at all. I feel like the numbers are a bit lower than the other ones. The other ones we had at the beginning. The you know, US numbers. Like are I mean, crazy. first try it on your own. <laughs> try and save that seven million. <laughs> you know, if you can do it in house, try and do it at house. No, no, no. The, the, the difference is quite crazy. So we're talking about app development today. So on the other side of this, we're going to get into it properly and actually talk to some people around what it actually means. And oh, also want to hear, you know, what are you doing with your apps? So on the other side of this, we get into the business of apps in 2018. This is the Business Buzz. The, the Business Buzz. Welcome back to the Business Buzz. We are talking app development today. But uh, before we sort of uh, get into this, remember that you can keep in touch with us. Uh, we are um, Val FM on Facebook. That's the voice of Vits. And we have our other Facebook page. That's the Vits Radio Academy. And then you can also find us on Twitter. That's at Val FM. And then our hashtag is hashtag Business Buzz. So uh, we went out on the streets, uh, but... Specifically, thing you went out on the streets. What were you asking the people? I was asking them to tell me all kinds of things around app development, whether what apps they use the most, yeah. what they think of the actual you know industry in its entirety. Do they think that it's dying? Do they think that it's thriving? So we got all kinds of different opinions. Okay, cool. Here's what they had to say. Basically, I have about one, two, three, four, five apps, and it's. It's almost all my social media, like Twitter, WhatsApp, Facebook, and Instagram. But I hardly use uh, uh, Instagram and Twitter. I use it when there's few <laughs> Wi-Fi. You know, Instagram tells that. And I also have my FMB app. I use that a lot. I need to check out my money. That's very important. And I recently deleted my, what is that, Uber app. Because I didn't have a lot of space. So if ever you want to create and come up with another app, uh -uh. no, I'm not interested because uh -uh. it does take a lot of space. eh? Uh -uh. Okay, so apps, the apps I use are apps are really functional ones. Um, I only need apps that make my life better. So I'll have Taxify or Uber to transport myself. Um, I'll have... You know, any other app, maybe a digital app, like a photo photographic app because I'm a photographer. Um, but functional apps. Uh, I don't want anything else that is really just to fill up space. I mean, it's a question of space as well because it is on your phone. Um, it's a great thing. I think the nice thing about apps is that people are now starting to find, um, I think, pain points or like things people need in their lives to make their lives functional. So, yeah, it's a great space to go into because um, people need stuff. I mean, we're living in a world that is always innovating. And so that's a great thing to have apps. Um, but, yeah, me, for me, apps generally are just there to make my life better. I only got Taxify because my phone allowed it. I'm not really a phone person either, so it's not a thing. Uh, but if you can just, yeah, do my thing. All right, so um, I don't really use a lot of apps on my phone. The one that I'll probably use mostly is uh, WhatsApp, Facebook, and Instagram. Okay, no, not really Instagram. But so far, WhatsApp and Facebook, mainly for business. So that's the main reason I would use an app. And the one that I probably will download recently would be the Money Manager. So anything that, I, that has to do with apps has to relate with business or money. How's it? My name is Lenzito. Um, yeah, in terms of apps, I do use um, some of your more common apps, like your WhatsApp, because obviously otherwise you can't hustle. Um, other people don't accept calls anymore. So, yeah, WhatsApp is there, Facebook occasionally, um, but WhatsApp is like daily bread, you have to use it. Um, I do go on Instagram every now and then. Um, I wouldn't say I'm big on apps, but um, yeah, they, they do have the uses and um, yeah, especially when you're pushing um, the free marketing side that assists so startups have no excuse not to go onto apps. And um, yeah, I think we should get more apps because apps have, it has made life a little bit more convenient, even though it has impacted on the on society, we've gotten more lazier, um, but I just think we shouldn't lose the work ethic sharp in our way. I feel that apps are dead. Um, 
well, just I feel really if it's not a utility app, if it's something um, consumer doesn't need to be using on a daily basis, it's not worth having on a phone. So that's my opinion on apps. I normally use Uber because I think it's convenient for me and I'm always traveling and going into meetings and all that with work. And then I have this Houtrain app that I find very interesting because you can check uh, everything that you, you want to do, your schedule about your train and, 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 and your the, the amount of money that you left with on your card. And then WhatsApp. I think WhatsApp, it's, it's, it's the most famous one on everyone's phone, not just my phone. So I use WhatsApp a lot, uh, especially when I communicate with people, uh, friends, family, and everything. And in terms of emergency, that's WhatsApp. And then I have, I have other apps that I don't actually like. I actually deleted them. Uh, your translating apps, I, 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 I tried it once and then I, I was translating English uh, to Italian. So <laughs> my Italian was gibberish. So uh, the people, the Italian guy was like, what are you saying right now? So I deleted that app and then uh, others, even dating apps, I don't use those because I feel like we eliminating ourselves from reality. So yeah, uh, would I like to have more apps on my phone? Yeah, if they can maybe extend the space because you can have your 32 gigabyte space on your phone, but still not enough, right? Because of music, documents and all that stuff that you store on your phone. So apps, I feel like apps take like a lot of space on your phone. And now nah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't install any, any apps until maybe 100 gig or one terabyte phone space. So you heard what uh, some of our people, uh, you know, had to say. Uh, some interesting thoughts uh, coming through from this thing. Where did you find these people? <laughs> <laughs> Out and about. <laughs> what, what names the, and addresses. <laughs> what, was, what was the most surprising thing for you about people's apps uh, usage? Um, I, I think what was prevalent was people use pretty much like the same apps. Yeah. Um, and... It was it was a very few people who were excited about getting more apps on their phones. Most of them were concerned about their space and about utility. And um, yeah, some some of the stuff was really just like they're not really using it every day, so yeah. they don't see the need for having it. Yeah. And um, so yeah, and some were like, yeah, it's it's de- it's a dying industry. <laughs> <laughs> but to tell us if it's really, really that much of a dying um, mm. uh, industry, uh, we have Yohi. I'm going to uh, Yohi Maiber. Yes, that's yes. good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in oh. studio with us, he is a director, Dragonfly Marketing, uh, who have created apps for uh, institutions such as Stats SA and companies such as Aspen and uh, Superga, just to mention some. How are you? I'm well, thank you, and thanks for the opportunity to talk. So, having listened to what some of our listeners are saying, um, can we just start by just asking, do you know how many apps we are using on our phone on average? Just the average. So Probably that about five. Yeah. <coughs> the, the, uh, um, uh, Apple, for instance, has the opportunity now where you can unpack or unload yeah, uh, apps that only have been used for a while. Yeah, because I know you're going to fill your phone with unnecessary stuff, and then it'll just unpack itself. Uh. But it's about five, um, and um, the new ones come on board. They try it for a few seconds, few minutes, and they dump <laughs> it. And games is one. They, they love games, and then they get bored and they dump it. Yeah. So, in terms of that, can we start by just asking what is the usual process for developing an app in terms of the timelines, the costs, and all that? Okay. Yes. Right. <laughs> I'm looking around the studio as you see who's going to actually do that. Um, firstly, don't. Yeah. Don't do an app. Yeah. Okay. Secondly, it's cost a lot of money. Yeah. Um, thirdly, timeline. You can cut timeline, but then you're going to cut quality and you're going to cut down on the testing phases. Yeah. And if you don't test properly, you're going to have a nonsense app. Yeah. And it's going to fold and you're going to have to have ongoing updates and 
revisions. Mm. Facebook does a revision every two weeks, but that's something they fix in their back end. Sometimes they do a fix, a nice fix. Uh, FMB just did a nice fix on their app. Yeah. We can even move the icons around. and uh, So that's a great one. Yeah. But uh, normally it's all in the background, it's security features and so on they work on. Yeah. So if I come to you and I say, <coughs> I have that next big idea, um, can you just lead our listeners through what the process would be if I... If I'm adamant, I've got three million rand. I've got. We were just looking at numbers earlier on, and it sounds like three million rand is a good amount for a good corporate app. And I'm saying I need this thing to be done. What's that process like? The first step is you don't tell anybody. Yeah. Because <laughs> you tell somebody about it, it's pre-disclosure. Yeah. So you can you can you can negate any patents that you might have in the future. Yeah. So you don't tell anybody. Yeah. Secondly, you have to tell somebody. Yeah. So then you have a non-disclosure agreement known as an NDA, yeah. and you can get copies of these and, and from the internet. You can go to a lawyer friend. Mm. You're all students here. You've got people that can do that for you. But you have an NDA that is signed, which locks the person down mm. or the organization down there. They won't steal your idea. Yeah. And then you only disclose. You don't disclose beforehand. Yeah. Um, in terms of, um, so we're talking about app development and it being, a, a, you know, not such a great place to go into considering competition and many other things. What would be an alternative for somebody to pursue who had an idea that was for the app? Right. Um, very good one there. Uh, a web application development. Not an app itself, but an application that runs on the Internet. And it looks like an app, but it's not an app. It doesn't sit in the iOS store. It doesn't sit in the Play Store. It can So you can sit on your own um, web page and people can download it and they can it looks like an app on your phone when you use it it's much cheaper and you don't have to apply to all the rigorous rigorous uh, conditions that for instance apple has yeah which is good uh, they have it there for a specific reason but um, especially if you want to test the idea instead of laying out a fortune in uh, development cost doing uh, web-based application development yeah. looks the same acts the same but it's for only for web and it works that's actually that's actually quite great because uh, it then leads to the next question of what, how can I put this, what then makes an app successful? Mm. Because I think that's I think that's a question that uh, the millions of people that are uploading apps to the various app stores are trying to conquer when they you know put up these things. Um, at the end of um, September, we actually had a young man in studio, Brandon Kynock, who had, uh, I think, one of the most downloaded um, games uh, on the App Store, you know, in studio, young man, very brilliant. And the irony of his story he was telling us, he was saying uh, that the app that succeeded was the one that took him three weeks to make. But the the app that took him two years to make didn't really do yeah. that well. Yeah. So is there a formula? That's a billion dollar question. <laughs> well, if you, when you have your app and you believe in it and it's been tested by your friends and family, and, and rather you're strangers, they will give you true reflection. Yeah. Um, then it's a case of marketing it. Yeah. You have to market the app. You have to put it out in the social media. You have to put it out there so people can find it. Um, Two years ago, around about two years ago, the daily release of uh, Android applications were over 4,000 a day yeah. worldwide, yeah. and Apple was over 6,000. So it's much higher than that now, and you're competing in that market space. Also, we found that people don't do their research, and they then want to do an app, but it, the, a similar app already exists, Yeah, and that doesn't work. Mm. You, you haven't got the, the, the legs to run with it. So, uh, I, every time you talk, I'm just getting more questions. Getting more questions in my head. Okay, so I come to you. Whether it's a web app or whether it's a, it's a proper app, and then I'm si now I'm asking for advice on how do I make money off this thing. Well, if you want to make money off it, uh, it, it, it you're going to have to monetize the application itself. So, yeah. you've got to sell something in the app. For instance, you're going to sell tools or health or uh, machine guns or knives or whatever it is that, that your app is, the game has got uh, involved. Uh, uh, candy Crush, you buy lives. And so you, that's how they make their money. Um, but it takes a lot of planning and it doesn't help to come and say, I've got an idea. 
An idea takes a split second. Yeah. You now have to go and document what it is you want to do. And that's yeah. where the work comes in. Mm-hmm. And there's an expectation that I've got the idea, I'm going to sit back and somebody else is going to do everything. <laughs> they can't see in your head. They can't see what you've envisaged. They yeah. can't get it. You've got to document it. You've got to put it down there. You've got to put it out. And you control the process. Yeah. The developers, they're not there to come up with the brilliant idea that you've got in your mind. Yeah. You've got to tell them that and they will develop it. But so first step, non-disclosure agreement. Mm. After that, there's a document called the full specification document. Yeah. That is where everything is defined in the, the process of how the app's going to look. And if that is not done properly, the developers develop accordingly. So <laughs> halfway down the line, you realize you left out a piece. Now you want to add it in. Yeah, you can add it in. It's amendment document you have to complete. You have to sign off. It gets built separately. And if it can be worked in at that stage, it gets worked in. Otherwise, it waits till the app is done, and then you do that development. Oh, wow. Hmm. Development minimum four months. <coughs> One month you can write off for testing purposes. Alpha tester, beta testing. Uh, Apple does a, a flight test. Yeah. Um, so y- y- testing takes a lot, and then you fix up the bugs. Also, testing brings the people, and they realize, I actually missed something. Now I need it. So... Then you go back to the document and says, but the document doesn't say that. <laughs> you didn't write it down. Yeah. So we didn't cost it. So we can do it. Here's a document, fill it in, amendment. Pay you pay more money, yeah. it gets done. <laughs> <laughs> the idea as well is uh, applications can be a never-ending process. So you, you do what needs to be done to get the application there, and then you start working and correcting, uh, adding revisions, adding new features, whatever. That is most apps does that. Yeah. They all do it. So, in terms of Dragonfly, do you guys, uh, apart from just the, the development side, do you help, um, what do you call them? Can we call them the creators, the ones that come up with the idea, the your clients? Do you help them like with marketing strategies yes. or things about whether to have a price on the app, how to price the app, in-app and in, in-app purchases, you know, what type of app, what type of revenue model would be yeah. the best, all of that stuff? Yes, um, we, ad- we can advise. Yeah. At the end of the day, the client decides. Yeah. You decide what you want to do, how much. Uh, to run an app, you're probably going to have it run it for a year, maybe two years before you even start making money. Application cost, whatever it might be, whether it's 500000 or more, mm. you're going to spend that amount on your marketing in the first period. Yeah. So you've got to double whatever budget you've got. And what do you think has uh, set you guys apart in terms of being the sort of um, client or supplier of choice for those specific services? We are not a dedicated application development company. We're a creative agency. Okay. But we develop applications to clients' requirements. We do a lot of other things for them as well. Mm -hmm. So we develop applications, and we're fortunate in that we've had a few that has been successful. Not us, but the client. Okay. And once again, when the application is done and it's paid for and it's running, then all all the code, the intellectual property, goes to the client. Oh, I was actually going to ask, ask that, that question. question. <laughs> yeah, no, we, 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 it's not our business. We don't keep the intellectual property. Yeah. Uh, and that's why there's also a cost mm. because it belongs to you. Yeah. It's nothing as bad as um, you, you own something, but somebody else owns part of it. And there's always going to be problems. Yeah. yeah. So just pay for it, get it done. Okay. Our last question in the interest of time. Um, Infrastructure-wise, uh, that's the other thing I wanted to just get from you. Do you guys host the actual applications, like the the servers that they run on, the databases that they're pulling data from, or do you usually make use? Because I can understand that some corporates will have data centers of their own. But if I'm just me and I've just come up with this idea and I have nothing of that sort, do you build it out for me and host it for me, or do you outsource that? If it's part? a web-based, well. All the hosting is done by internet service providers, ISPs. Mm. Um, and you've got to be a registered ISP to actually <coughs> have do this in the, uh, in the world. You can't just host it yourself. Mm. So it's got to be, if it's on the internet, it's the rules and regulations, the uh, um, Domain Association of South Africa controls a lot of it and so on. So you, um, if it's a web-based application, 
you can uh, host it at any ISP. Mm. <clears throat> doesn't have to be at a specific ISP. Um, if it's a, a Android or uh, iOS app, it sits in the store. Mm. If there's data that needs to move, that sits in the back end, mm. and um, you can either there's these ways of doing it. But yes, it can go through a a data storage facility. If you do, for instance, payments, you can choose to do payments in your app using where, uh, uh, the uh, service providers such as Apple to do the payments and they deduct a portion and you get paid out the remainder. Mm-hmm. Or you can have in-app purchases through Fastpay or whatever and that is, has a different model. And again, if you've got any payment situation on an app, it has to be compliant. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Wise thoughts coming through from uh, Yohi. He is uh, from uh, Dragonfly <coughs> and they are a creative agency that does a whole host of things, but app development uh, is one of the big things that they do. You heard him. I think one of the big pieces of advice that he said is uh, if, you are, if you have that bright idea, don't tell anyone. <laughs> But if you're going to tell someone, be very specific about what you say because when it comes to actually making corrections and revisions on what you've said to the developer, it's going to cost you money, it's going to cost you emotions, it's going to cost you effort <laughs> <laughs> and your effort as well. Thank you so much, Yohi. On the other side of this, we are going to continue our conversation around apps development in 2018. Keep it locked. This is the Business Buzz. More justice on the Business Buzz. Welcome back to the Business Buzz. We are talking app development in 2018 right here on today's Business Buzz show. Um, we just came from talking to Yohi Maiberg, who is a director at Dragonfly, uh, around uh, apps development and what it actually means. Uh, we're going to uh, continue the conversation now, and we're looking. We're going to be talking to Lynette Handemark, who is uh, who co-founded, uh, co-founded Youthful and Beautiful, and they have over. 17 years of experience in the tech, digital marketing, and uh, mobile solutions space. Um, Lynette uh, co-founded Specialist Mobile Solutions Consultancy, used to, uh, Youthful and Beautiful, uh, back in the day. And she's also regarded as one of the top 30 most influential women in SA digital marketing. Uh, Lynette also contributes regularly for Biz Community. How are you, Lynette? Hi there. Um, I've had better days. I've got a little bit of tonsillitis, so I'm apologizing in advance for my husky voice. I always <laughs> wanted to be a rock star, so... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, thank you so much for talking to us. We do, we really do appreciate the fact that you know you, you know you've taken this time to be with us. So, uh, just as we begin, can you tell us a little bit about useful um, and beautiful and the kind of services that you offer? Okay. Um, yeah. So my company it's a mobile solutions company. So we uh, basically create or help brands or companies, whoever you are, really. If you want to get into the mobile space, we are here to basically help you get on the right track to have a good foundation. Because you know, like building a house, you can't just go and start building a house without a plan, without a fund, you know good foundation. You need to have the correct building blocks in place. So we are there to to assist brands with that and. Um, basically make sure you you have something that's going to be of world-class standards. Um, So we we focus a lot on user experience and design because that's the ultimate uh, decide on whether somebody's going to use your app. You know, it needs to be really simple, it needs to be slick, it needs to provide a good service right from the moment you click on that uh, or tap on that icon on your phone. Um, and then uh, we also, if, if companies want us to develop the app as well, we take it a step further and we, we develop it based on the best technologies that suit your budget. And I'm going to emphasize on budget because that's also quite a deciding factor. And uh, yeah, make sure that you get the best app out there. But apart from that, we also provide uh, consultation services because you know the mobile app space has been around now for a while. I've been particularly involved, as you said, for, for quite a few years. Um, so quite a few brands, what I've noticed is that they've gone and they've uh, created some sort of an app. They've put it out there, but it's not doing quite what uh, they expected it to do or users are not happy with it. So that's when we go in and we try help brands um, you know, give them tips and advice and consult on how they can actually get this on the right track as well. 
I think that takes us to our next question, which is, you know, mobile apps seem to have become something of a big phenomenon in the tech industry. Um, what do you think propelled this rise and, and how would you say this rise has transformed the mobile tech industry? Well, I mean, I predicted that this was going to be on the rise and this was going to take over back in 2011. <laughs> if you go back and look at some of the keynotes that I used to pre- present, it was always, you know, mobile is going to be the future. Mm. And now mobile is the present. And the big um, and what propelled us, um, quite simple, is your mobile phone. With time, uh, mobile phones, especially smartphones, became a lot cheaper. Uh, you know, with, with Android, the cheaper handsets. So now rather than uh, people buying a feature phone, which was always very, very popular in Africa especially, um, you know, they can afford to buy a cheaper smartphone, and with that they've got access to apps and, and all of that that goes with it. So that's what basically propelled it. And, um, you know, it's not about the future being mobile, it's the presence being mobile. Everybody has got a mobile phone, as you know, irrespective of the income level you are in, everybody has a phone, you know, it's become this necessity, and people want to interact with that. Yeah. And that is why it's all about knowing your audience and providing the best solution for your audience because, um, you know, especially in South Africa and Africa, data is really expensive. Um, you know, I follow this quite closely and the costs are not really coming down. So people want to use apps. They want to get the best out of it, but they don't want their airtime to go away after five seconds. Mm. I mean, not even I want that. So it's important that the apps that you design and create, it takes this into consideration for your target audience, especially for students. I mean, I was a student, okay, many years ago, but, you know, still, I I don't want to spend money unnecessarily or waste my money, but I still want to use my phone. I still want to get the best user experience, so so give me apps that's going to be, you know, data conscious. I agree, I agree. And and what what should users be looking for um, when they're using, downloading, or choosing applications? Well, the size of your app is most important, for one. I mean, if you take things like, and I work in the magazine industry as well, you know, some of these magazine apps, they consume a lot of data. Um, you know, I, I remember when I worked um, with Wired Magazine many years ago, it was almost half a gig to download that app. <laughs> so before you download an app, <laughs> make sure you actually see the size of the app. And also, just do some research as well, just to see how much of data that app is going to be consuming. Because sometimes the app might be like really small to download, but then with time, you will see that it's actually consuming a lot of data. So it's important to actually just check that out as well from a data, uh, you know, data, data perspective. Uh, and of course, you know, on Wi-Fi it doesn't matter. But you know, if you're using mobile data, then it does actually actually matter. And also, most importantly, there's a lot of apps out there, I mean, especially over the years. You know, there's, there's literally millions of apps on each on each app store, and, and quite a few of them are quite similar. So I think it's important as a user as well for you to actually work out exactly what you want this app to do, because you know you've got A class apps versus the SAZ class apps out there. So don't just go and search for the you know search and, and get the first one that comes up. I would say just spend a little bit of time and and. And, and look at what you actually actually want because some brands and I'll give you an example um, last year I was asked to um, review a property app that um, apps are launched and I just went to go and search for this app on the app store and I couldn't find it you know I had so many other property apps so, so you know the chances of me downloading the incorrect app was, was so high mm. um, that I eventually had to phone the PR people that asked me to review it and say please just send me the link <laughs> Yeah. for it and there wasn't even apps on the you know on, on, the, on the main keywords so that's why i'm saying you need to just spend a little bit more time on the app store because not all brands actually get it right in terms of you know like you've got your google seo and all of that there's also something similar for for the app store but not all brands have got that right but yeah make sure you download the, the correct app and what are what should developers um, take into consideration regarding their their consumers? And uh, what have been some of the key trends that you've observed in this industry? Well, developers definitely need to take into consideration their target market. You know, uh, most people fall into this trap. Even though I've been speaking about it for many years, but up till today. Uh, People think, okay, we put an app there, and it must just serve the purpose for everybody. And that's not the case. You have to limit. Or, or what should I say, you have to classify who your users are going to be. The only time I've ever worked on an app that catered for almost everybody was still when I launched that in 2011, the first version. 
Um, so you really, really need to pinpoint exactly who is going to be using this app and design a user experience for for those, you know, for that target audience. Because um, you know, if it's a very functional app like a banking app or financial services app, people want to be able to transact with that app really, really quickly. So the user experience needs to be really click, really slick, really clear, and you need to get to your your chosen task in the minimal amount of steps. Which brings me to the the key trends. Um, and again, because apps and mobile have been around for quite a while now, it's, a, it's, a, it's an ex- expectation from the consumer that whatever you do, you know, especially if you're going to be asking me for personal data when I start using this app, that this app is going to be personalized for me. That's an expectation. You know, don't make it generic. So it's just, you know, who, companies who, who do it right, I suppose, are you know, like Uber, because when you launch the Uber app, it will give you your most recent destinations or will give you your most frequent destinations. So that makes it really easy. You don't have to go and, you know, like I don't have to type in that I want to go, say, to Century City all the time. Uh, if, if I'm going there all the time, that would be sort of like one of my first searches that come up. So I can just click and go. So that's really, really important. Um, second thing is also if you're a brand or you're a company with, just, with more than just a mobile presence, for example, if you're a, um, a retailer, for example, uh, chances are you've got a presence on web, you've got a presence in store, you know, you've got all these other channels. So it's important to not have, treat your mobile solution, your app, as a silo. It really needs to integrate and connect all the dots. And this is a term that we call omnichannel, where it really needs to just provide the seamless user experience because... You know, nothing is more frustrating than that you see some offers on the app, say for a pick and pay, for example. You go into pick and pay and you see the, the offers are completely different. You know, nobody's really got, got time for those sort of things. And also, you know, in terms of coupon redemption and all of that, it needs to, needs to all basically work seamlessly together. And another big one I would say is definitely without a doubt, um, <coughs> sorry, a shift from more... Um, contextual marketing to cognitive marketing. And what I mean from there is previously it was all about delivering the right message at the right time. You know, that's always what it's been about in terms of especially of the mobile device. And now back, now fast forwarding to 2018 where we are, it's, it's not just about the context. Um, you know, as mentioned, it's, it's a very personal device now, especially when you are giving um, personal information. But sometimes you don't even need to give personal information to the, um, you don't have to actually input that because this device, you know, you've got things like location data and, and all of that in it, in there. So you can actually gather a lot of information about the user just based on their user patterns. And the companies that get this right is this Amazon because they constantly, when you're browsing the Amazon app, you can see the most frequent items that you are browsing for mm. them. They would recommend you know, similar sort of items. Yeah. So that, is the, that is the trend. It's like, you know, you are understanding my behavior. So when I open that app, start giving me relevant products based on, on what I am likely to be doing. Yeah, and I, and I think this brings us to our last question. For people who are looking to venture into this space, um, what is the future looking like for mobile um, applications? Oh, the, the space is looking, it's, it's absolutely tremendous. Um, you know, there's so much of potential. I also judge a lot of mobile rewards, and most recently the Price Check e-commerce awards. And I'm seeing so many new businesses, and it's so exciting because I'm seeing new businesses coming in, giving these mobile solutions um, that are actually making a difference to people's lives. You know, they want to actually communicate, and they actually want to, um, what's the word? <laughs> they want to... Um, they want, to do, they want to improve the efficiency of what they're doing. So, so FinTech, for example, is quite a good, good use case and that there's, you know, something especially for that is it's quite an unbanked market. So you've got a lot of FinTech solutions out there that just make it really easy for the consumer to transact. Mm-hmm. So I would say there's so much of potential, but the key thing, especially with our context, South Africa, because this is a big mistake and I just want to emphasize this, is that we look at... What tends to happen is people look at American and UK case studies and try to replicate it here. It doesn't work. And I've seen it not working, and then people are, you know, they spend all this money and it's not working. You need to understand the South African audience and understand, you know, don't take a solution from overseas and just apply it here. It doesn't work. And the most important thing, you know, tying up everything that I said today is 
understand the target audience, understand that data is very, very sensitive in terms of price, and make things really simple. It's all about the user experience, and this is also something that I've come that everybody wants to just go and start developing an app. It doesn't work that way. You really need to spend some time understanding the strategy, understanding what sort of problems you are trying to solve. Yeah. Again, this, this, this app needs to solve a problem. That's why Uber domestically sweeps out all of that work so well. Absolutely. Thank you so much. That was Lynette Handemark from Useful and Beautiful, a mobile solutions consul- consultancy. I think that uh, definitely brings us to the end of today's show. Thank you so much to everyone who was listening. And uh, thank you to everyone who, uh, you know, uh, spoke to Hlenyue and just told them about their app development. Because, you know, we actually enjoyed just hearing some of that feedback. Uh, thank you to Yohi for coming to the studio and just giving us um, a roundup of the market. And then lastly, to Lynette. Hmm. Your takeaways. My takeaway from the show is that be original. Mm, mm, mm. Don't copy. Don't yeah. do it because <laughs> someone else is doing it. Yeah. Like come up with something totally different that everyone else is going to want to follow. Someone came up with apps in the first place. Yeah. Like take us on a completely different trajectory. That's yeah. what we want. Okay, cool. Um, and then my takeaway just has to do with... Uh, Actually, I have a takeaway from what um, Yohi said, and that was just the fact where he said having an app on its own, it's no longer really um, sustainable nowadays having the whole uh, a web app as opposed to having just a proper standalone app is a, is a better solution. And you actually see it with some of the corporates. I think, you know, some of the banks, um, you, you if you actually open the app, you see there's actually no data there. It's only when you're connected to a network that actually something pops up you know on your phone and then uh, from what Lynette was saying understand um, when you're making an app if you do make an app actually make it useful and actually understand mm-hmm. the person who's going to use the app absolutely yeah yeah so that brings us to the end of the show how can people uh, get in touch with us on social media to continue the conversation so they can get a hold of us on the following social media platforms. On Facebook, we are Vow FM, Voice of Vits, and Vits Radio Academy. On Twitter, we are at Vow FM, and our hashtag is Business Buzz. On WhatsApp, we are on 084-078-4912. They can also stream live on www.vowfm.co.za. And they can find our podcasts of the Business Buzz on www.vids.journalism.co.za slash business. And with that, that brings us to the end of the show. Thank you to our amazing team, our executive producer, that's Elna Schutz, together with our producer, Welcome Lishiva, and then our technical producer, that's Kutluano Serame. Don't miss the Business Buzz, same time, same place next week for more insight into the world of business. Next up, we are 24-hour radio station, so didn't make sure you don't turn the dial. From myself, Mudiwa Mob, Justice Gavaza, Lengiwe Zondo, and the rest of the team, it's good evening and take care. The, the Business Buzz. Listen to The Business Buzz every Thursday from 6 to 7 p.m. Only, only on VOW FM. The Business Buzz Podcast.